Members of the Young Christian Climate Network have been taking it in turns to walk over 1,200 miles to Glasgow. They'll arrive the day before the 26th UN Conference of Parties on Climate Change, COP26. Today's walk has been from Borehamwood to St Albans Cathedral in the morning and then to St John's Boxmoor in Hemel Hempstead in the afternoon. The walkers include the young and the young at heart. It's been lovely. We've walked through, we've walked along busy roads, we've walked over a motorway. We wished we had a banner. Um, I've met some lovely people and uh, heard about different people's work. Good to be amongst people who are concerned about the same things. I'm doing it because um, it's good for me to be amongst people who care about um, how things go at COP26. I'm very concerned about the climate. I'm very concerned about humanity and I think we need to start working together. It's pretty strenuous but so many different places to see and you just follow on and all of a sudden you're in open field and woodland and housing estate. It's, uh, it's so much to see and do. Just talking to people on the way and the reception in St Albans was amazing. Yeah, it's really important, the, the issue of climate change, to draw attention to it, make it seem that it doesn't go away. So I let people know that I'm doing it, invited some, and just to say, you know, it affects everybody. Every little bit helps what we can. Um, but to try to keep the appeal, reasonable things that people can do without really giving up too much but just adjusting lifestyles and but saying well this is it's not something you can just put off it gets worse and worse the longer we leave it and it's our children and our uh, grandchildren and their children will really suffer the effects of it thanks The team will be staying the night at St John's before walking on to Tring. Adam Evely is one of the lead walkers. Yeah, it's been good. Um, I also walked in the morning as well, uh, so it's been quite a long day. Uh, the remaining days won't be quite as long, but uh, no, it's been absolutely fine and it's been great walking with people of all different denominations uh, all wanting to do uh, something about the climate crisis. So I am doing this because I believe the uh, climate crisis is of critical importance and it's very important that the UK government does something about it with its uh, hosting of the COP26 conference in Glasgow. Um, really it all goes back to, I went to the 2010 to 2012 New Day conferences, New Frontiers um, Youth conferences and I sort of yeah really developed a heart for um, doing something to help those less fortunate than myself at that point um, so about a decade ago and out of that out of wanting to serve people less fortunate than myself I've realized that the climate crisis is a big threat to probably the biggest threat to uh, people uh, in developing countries. So that's why I'm particularly passionate about this issue at the moment. So what is YCCN asking for? 
The first request is that the UK government restores its foreign aid commitment to 0.7% GDP, uh, which we don't think is unreasonable, and we managed it for ages, so they should restore it, uh, especially given what they're going through with um, COVID and uh, increasing climate impacts. Um, the second uh, objective is that they, second ask of the government, is that they double the £100 billion funding that they promised to uh, developing countries to deal, deal with uh, the impacts of the climate crisis. Uh, so they promised that back in 2009, they still haven't delivered it. So we want them to deliver that and double it because it's been 10 years and countries need more than that now. Um, on top of that, we want there to be a proper loss and damage mechanism instated so that uh, countries are systematically compensated uh, when they suffer losses as a result of the climate crisis, which we have largely inflicted on them. Um, and the final uh, demand we have with the government is that uh, they clear all the debts of um, developing countries, similar to the Jubilee 2000 campaign, uh, because we should not be profiting on interest off, um, off damage that we've ultimately caused them through our carbon emissions. Church of England member Hannah Eves is the Root Section team leader organising the week's walk between London and Oxford. This morning we, we left Boreham Wood at about 8am um, to make it up to St Albans for an amazing reception at the cathedral around lunchtime, in which we had the, the bishop there, we had our lovely boat, the pilgrim, um, an absolutely fantastic event, and now we're in Hemel. And how's it been going so far? It's been going amazingly. I've been walking just from Monday this week from central London, but we've had some incredible days um, walking through the fields in Hertfordshire. It's been absolutely beautiful. And I know the weeks before me from, from June from Cornwall have been, have been a massive success so far. I'm doing this because I understand as, as a person between 18 and 30 that over half of emissions have happened during my lifetime, that this climate crisis is absolutely critical. Um, so I'm doing it because I believe that the climate um, crisis is urgent, but I'm also doing it because as a Christian, I believe that creation is precious and given to us by God to look after. And I also believe that it is our responsibility to look after the most poor and vulnerable, which are um, often people affected the most deeply by climate change. Now, you mentioned you're a Christian. So how important is your faith in motivating you in all this? Oh, it's, um, it's critical. I think one of the things, um, one of... Uh, it would be so easy to despair when you look at the most recent reports, especially the one from the IPCC. However, as a Christian, I have hope in a God that loves justice and loves his creation and his natural world. So those, that's really my motivation, is that um, I do believe that we have a responsibility, a moral responsibility as the church to take a stand on this issue. And, and I'm also hopeful because I, I believe that God has it in his hands. In 2004, the then Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, said excessive use of fuel threatened the viability of humans as a species and called for attacks on greenhouse gases. The current Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, has described climate change as the great emergency of the 21st century. And the Archbishop of York, Stephen Cottrell, has said that fighting climate change must be the UK government's first priority. Speaking in the House of Lords, the Bishop of Oxford, Stephen Croft, did not mince his words about the effect of climate change. As a number of noble lords have said, the world is living through a deepening environmental catastrophe. The impact of change on our climate is already severe, it will become worse with every decade and every generation. 
the world is currently heading for an average global warming of two degrees and more by 2050. Global net carbon emissions continue to rise. The risks of unforeseen and catastrophic compound effects on the environment increase with every year. My Lords, the two biblical images of hell are a burning planet too hot to sustain life and a rubbish dump. And we are in danger of bequeathing both to our children and grandchildren and every generation that will follow. The Church of England has a Bishop for the Environment. A former Bishop for the Environment, the Bishop of Salisbury, Nicholas Holtham, was critical of government policy. In the context of the climate emergency, some decisions of government are hard to comprehend. We need a much more coherent approach to energy. The continuing subsidy of fossil fuels is now absurd and needs to end. The stimulus of renewable energy and of greater efficiency is a priority. The inability to tax aviation fuel or to find a way to limit air travel is just plain stupid. I asked a question of the noble minister, Lord Henley, about the Woodhouse Colliery in Cumbria, and in answering he replied that the government continues to be committed to the Paris Agreement and referred to the request for advice from the Climate Change Committee published today. He went on to say that Cumbria County Council took the decision to grant planning permission and it was their responsibility to consider the application in its role as Minerals Planning Authority and the Council would have considered all the relevant material considerations, including the environmental impacts. Odd that, when about fracking, at a local level, decisions can be called in by the government and resolved centrally. The current Bishop for the Environment is Graham Usher, Bishop of Norwich. I'm acutely aware of talking to other Anglicans around the Anglican Communion uh, and having a monthly meeting at the moment with bishops from a whole variety of different countries are hearing about firsthand the impact of climate change in so many of those places where it's resulting in ethnic conflict because of forced migration of uh, lower uh, stocks of, of uh, to harvest of increased sea levels and the salination of land. Climate change isn't something that's in the distance in 20, 30, 40 years time. No, no, it's affecting the world's communities right now and particularly the poorest people in the world who are the least able to mitigate or, or bring adaptations. Now, one thing the Church of England is doing is uh, aiming to be carbon neutral by 2030. That's not long away. How practical do you think that is? It's an almighty challenge. The, the motion that went to General Synod was to reach that in 2045, and it was amended on the floor of Synod uh, to bring it to 2030. What that change to the motion brought about is to up the ante, to say, look, we've got to um, take this far more seriously and focus our minds and our attentions. And that's exactly what it's done. And so I'm, I'm grateful for it. And we'll, we'll give it our best shot. And I'll you know, do all I can in leading this area of our work to, to get as far as possible by 2030. 
So I'm grateful for it because it, it said to us all, look, we've got to wake up. And the IPCC report the other week, again, was a wake-up call about the seriousness of climate change, that we're in the red zone already. Could you outline what some of that action is? So Darson environmental officers play a key part in uh, networking, encouraging of sharing good examples. And there's a range of different ways in which they uh, can be provided across the life of the church. Some dioceses have full-time paid environmental officers, others can't afford that, and um, have volunteers or groups of people fulfilling that role. I don't really mind how it's done, as long as it is done. One of the things we're really trying to do is encourage eco-church. And this is a fantastic uh, project by Arosha, a Christian conservation organization that uh, offers bronze, silver and gold awards for parish churches and chaplaincies to really focus through a toolkit on the environmental improvements that they can they can make. Surely one challenge is that the Church of England is actually investing in fossil fuel companies. So different parts of the Church of England are. Um, some dioceses, parishes, are making the decision to divest. That has already happened in um, a number of different dioceses, and I think that will uh, continue. The church commissioners and the national investment bodies, that includes also the pensions fund, um, have the policy agreed by General Synod that they will continue to invest against very strict criteria in companies that are committed to and are working towards the Paris uh, COP21 agreed way of moving forward by 2050. Now, obviously, this is quite a, an interesting approach because the national investment bodies have investor clout and are working in a coalition with leading investors, including the Environment Agency's pension fund and other investors around the world, they can bring about change at board level, including who are board members and company policy, to force companies to come in line with the Paris Agreement. And there has been some considerable success by this investor coalition in bringing about change. And the General Synod uh, motion agreed that if by 2023 any companies were not aligned with the Paris Agreement, we would not be investing in them. And indeed, the national investment bodies have already divested from a number of companies that are not going to reach that. And so where they can bring change, they're bringing change. What is the Church of England planning for COP26? So I've been involved for the last six months or so in quite a number of different areas, working with Alok Sharma, the president designate of COP26. And this is our last chance to align the world to below 1.5 degrees increase in temperature uh, across the world. 
This is really our last chance. So the Church of England is praying, praying for lasting change and commitments. We are in, so there are climate Sundays in many churches over the course of the next few months. We are taking action through lobbying, writing to MPs, writing to the Prime Minister. And we're also engaged in a range of different meetings looking at the clear asks that we want to see as a result of COP26, particularly finance for the world's poorest countries to be able to bring about the changes that are needed. And I've also been doing some work uh, with the Foreign Office in terms of speaking to faith leaders uh, via uh, British embassies in different countries uh, to encourage faith communities in in different countries around the world to pray, to campaign, to bring about change and action. Because the faith community voice is a very powerful one. And we come with humility, with stories of our sisters and brothers who are already affected by climate change. What do you think of the uh, Young Christian Climate Network Relay Initiative? The Young Christian Climate Relay Initiative is fabulous. Um, it started at the G7 summit in Cornwall, and they are making their way uh, across the country to Glasgow by the end of October. And there is also a number of tributaries. There's been a tributary uh, from Great Yarmouth across Norfolk to Kings Lynn, and then we passed on the baton uh, to uh, the Diocese of Ely, who took it on the next stage. So there's these tributaries as well. What it's doing is galvanizing action and support, sharing information and knowledge. And young people uh, really have a powerful and prophetic Christian voice into uh, this whole situation. And we need to listen, listen attentively to them. The churches have been fantastically supportive of the relay. Um, I have to give particular shout outs to the Church of England uh, who have been uh, hosting a lot of our events. Um, so I know particularly in Exeter, it was the environment officer there who basically ran all of our events, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, credit to the Church of England, uh, but also the Roman Catholic Church actually, the um, Passionists uh, uh, gave us some funding. Um, and uh, Colette, who works for the Roman Catholic Church, she's been walking with us, and she's very supportive and trying to get other people along. So, um, yeah, those those two denominations particularly, but we've had people from denominations across the church um, hosting us and walking with us. We've had uh, churches offering us accommodation. We've had churches offering us meet and greets along the way. St Albans Cathedral has been incredibly helpful. Um, and actually, I've met so many, I've been in so many churches and had so many conversations with vicars who are part of the Eco Church program, who are working towards silver or gold or, and um, are really inspired by the Arosha's work. So it's been really fun for me as, as part of both of those networks to um, see them come together and to be supported in that way. And how important do you think the backing of churches is? Oh, it's absolutely critical. I think the UK church has an incredibly strong voice as part of civil society to call for this change. And, um, and so it has been, it's been so inspiring, even just spiritually, to spend time in prayer and in contemplation with churches as we pass through. It just feels 
so integral to the pilgrimage aspect of this work. And, and I think, um, yeah, it has just been, um, that has been so, so lovely and so uplifting. But, but also practically, as, as the person running all the logistics behind the, the, the scenes for this week, I am so grateful for churches who've given up their floors, who've provided us with food, with that generous hospitality that really characterizes the Christian faith.